Uh, very good. Welcome to the October 2019 edition of the Congress of Neurological Surgeons Journal Club podcast. This is Dr. Raphael Vega, your host. Uh, today we'll be discussing the paper, Radial Artery Access for Treatment of Posterior Circulation Aneurysm Using the Pipeline Embolization Device uh, case series. We have uh, Dr. Nosek, who's a senior author from NYU. Uh, as guest faculty today, we have Dr. Siddiqui and Dr. Davies from the University of Buffalo, as well as the CNS resident fellow, um, Dr. Dasani, uh, currently at the University of Buffalo as well. We'll be discussing the paper and asking questions. I would like uh, for Dr. Nasek to start uh, with a summary of the paper. Um, okay, so uh, first of all, thank you very much for the uh, opportunity to present here. I present on behalf of my co-authors, at NYU, Aiton Raz, Maxim Shapiro, Raz Van Buchuk, Peter Kim Nelson, um, and uh, myself. Um, so this paper actually is a case series. Um, we had four patients here that were included in this series. All the patients presented with unruptured, basically fusiformic posterior circulation aneurysms. Um, three of the aneurysms were located at the level of the uh, distal intracranial vertebral artery and uh, one of them was located at the left P1 segment of the PCA. Two were symptomatic of these four, and two were uh, incidental finding, actually. Um, we performed um, formal diagnostic angiogram prior to uh, the treatment, actually. Um, all these patients uh, had significant torturosity of the aorta, of the uh, subclavian arteries, and the vertebral artery. Um, one of them underwent also TEVAR prior to this uh, procedure, uh, which uh, in all of them actually we, we thought we had a uh, navigation difficulties and might have had some support issues, which is uh, obviously extremely important, especially when we are planning deployment of a pipeline or any flow diverter device. Um, the patients were prepared as for any standard pipeline case. Uh, all of them were placed on the dual antiplatelet medications. We verified the therapeutic levels of P2Y12 uh, between two to four days prior to the uh, treatment and then adjust the, uh, the plavix loads. Um, when they arrived to our angiosuite, suite, all of them underwent a uh, barbell test to assess the uh, collateral palmar circulation. We placed a uh, pulse oximeter on the, uh, on the ipsilateral hand during the procedure as well. And uh, the hands were prepped and draped as usual. Um, we had three right-handed, right radial approach and one left uh, when we placed the left hand on the, over the belly of the patient. We used a five-French uh, micropuncture kit in all of them. We introduced a five-French radial trumoglide sheet um, into the radial artery. Um, we managed to puncture three of them at the level, really at the level of the wrist, um, and only one uh, patient we had to puncture, repuncture actually, in the uh, mid forearm because of uh, significant torturosity of the distal radial artery. We used the uh, standard cocktail um, after introducing the sheets of uh, 2,000 units of heparin, 200 nitroglycerin, and 2.5 milligrams of uh, verapamil. Um, we uh, then uh, used the distal axis catheter, either the uh, Navian or the uh, Phenom Plus catheter, and then uh, within dwelling, 27 catheter 
um, as for the delivery and deployment of the pipeline. Uh, three cases. In three cases, the uh, pipeline was the only device uh, that we used for uh, obliteration of the aneurysm. And in one case, we used the pipeline and concurrent use of cores with an additional uh, catheter. Uh, the results were, uh, were um, basically we had no complication apart of minimal in one patient. We had minimal superficial hematoma, but there was no complication, no issues with the radial pulse. We had no ischemic events. Uh, we had great pulse actually in the follow-up, in the uh, three weeks follow-up as well as in the six-month follow-up. Um, uh, in the paper, we did the complete occlusion. We did assess complete occlusion, and we saw uh, good results in six months of an MRA. But since then, obviously, we uh, we got a formal diagnostic angiogram that uh, verified complete occlusion in all of them. Um, and basically, that's it. That's the uh, the series. Um, we think that it's a, it's a it's a good option for posterior circulation. Uh, aneurysms that needs to be treated with uh, pipeline. We actually moved towards a transradial approach in uh, many cases of the uh, posterior circulation and anterior circulation, and we recommend this approach. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Nosek. It's a very nice series. Um, I would like to ask now uh, Dr. Siddiqui if you would have any questions for the author. So from my standpoint, uh, thank you as, uh, for a, a great short series on the possibility of this sort of radial approach. It, it seems to me that uh, you were trying this approach primarily because you're almost feeling guilty. You couldn't uh, use the femoral approach. Uh, the paper's focus appears to suggest that uh, these were all very difficult uh, access, transformal access cases. And so, so you, as a consequence, of, uh, approach this radially. Um, what, how do you really sort of feel about it since, you, since the success you have had? Um, don't you think this should be the primary way to manage these aneurysms? Um, basically, it's it's very true what you said. It's very true. Um, when I did this angi when we did these angiograms, we actually really struggled uh, in order to uh, to get a good angiogram through the um, vertebral artery and posterior circulation. We really uh, struggled. We I remember uh, at least two of these cases where we uh, really exchanges and you know multiple catheters, and then we said, okay, next time we're coming radial. It's true, but since then, you know, this, this, all these uh, uh, cases were basically done uh, more than two years ago. Um, so since then, I think that whenever I see a posterior circulation lesion, I first ask myself, okay, so probably I would go radial, even without the torturosity or the difficulties that I'm going to have in the navigation, support, I would go directly to uh, radial. Well, so, so next question in that same vein is that I sense uh, on the description you have 
a couple of different features on the approach that you utilize and the tools that you used that again suggest uh, this uh, sense of dread about trying this approach. So I'll give an example of that. Um, so in all these cases, uh, you use that uh, slender Terumo sheet, which goes, which is five French, but expands to a six. Yet inside that, you really did not use a guide. You just went with the intermediate catheter, either the, the, the five French uh, Medtronic or uh, the other um, uh, catheter. Uh, um, yeah, it's either the, the Phenom Plus or the or the, the Phenom Plus or the uh, which Navian. is four four five or the Navian fifty eight. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. exactly. And inside that, you put in a microcatheter. Um, I, I think uh, again, I sense that there was this concern that the radial artery diameter may not be able to accommodate. Uh, in our experience, uh, I think at our place, Jason has been the trailblazer. Um, in terms of using approach, we are very comfortable putting a six French guide uh, through the radial, and that means that we can use the same triaxial approach as you, you would use for an anterior circulation through the posterior circulation as well. Um, is, Absolutely. Is your, yeah, so um, has your approach modified since this paper came out in terms of what you're doing now, especially when you're pushing heavy metal like a pipeline? Absolutely. Thank you very much for this comment. I actually, uh, we actually, um, since then, we have uh, go with six French systems. Um, we, uh, you know, we became more and more familiar with the, with the vessel, with the approach. So now we use triaxial systems, especially if we need to deploy a pipeline in the anterior circulation where the tortuosities and the support is, um, is more, more of a concern, then we will use the six French with a triaxial system um, like what we do with, um, you know, with the femoral. Um, so we've, we've gone into uh, bigger systems. By the way, we also have some experience with the neuron max directly in the, uh, in the, radial, in the radial artery. We actually had only two events of spasm with the uh, neuron max, and otherwise with the benchmark, which is the six French uh, 0771, we had never had any event of spasm or issues with the radial artery. So yes, we are doing triaxial system with the six French, mainly in the anterior circulation now. And the final question from my standpoint is that you, you detailed a, a very comprehensive investigation of uh, radial and ulnar arteries and palmar branch and oximetry on the thumb, et cetera. Uh, when we have sort of uh, looked at the, the largest literature which is out there with multiple randomized trials for thousands of patients, the coronary literature, it appears that a lot of this is unnecessary. Um, are you still um, uh, sort of doing this extensive sort of pre-procedural evaluation prior to using the radial, or are you just simply using the radial now? No, we are simply using the radial now, actually. It was the beginning, you know, two years ago. So now, yeah, we simply use it. We still do the barber test, and uh, we put the pulse oximeter on that, but we are not doing any, you know, formal uh, angiogram of the hand. Thank you very much. Those are my questions. Thank you. Uh, thank you. It was very um, 
very informative and very interesting uh, discussion. So, Dr. Uh, Davies, uh, do you have anything to add or any questions uh, for the author? Yeah, thank you very much for having me. I think that uh, uh, Adnan has already sort of asked a, quite a bit about how your approach has evolved over the course of time, uh, both in terms of the devices you're using, the Barbo testing, um, and so forth. What else has changed in your approach to uh, these kinds of lesions? Um, basically, um, since we are using the six-frame um, system, um, where we uh, tried it actually in the anterior circulation, where we uh, thought that it would be very beneficial from now on. Also in the anterior circulation, um, I'll use the triaxial system uh, with the uh, usually the six French benchmark and the um, um, intermediate catheter and the microcatheter, which we uh, did not use because we were concerned about the access and the radial artery. So from now, actually, for all flow diverters, uh, we will use triaxial system in anterior and posterior circulation, which is different than what we uh, described in this uh, in this paper. Um, that's mainly the um, changes that we evolved, and um, you know we are getting used to more and more radial approach in uh, diagnostic angiogram, which teach us a lot about the treatment options. Through this, uh, through this access, you know, radial artery. Uh, we know that it was done in the uh, for cerebral angiogram for many years, right? There's a paper by your from 2002, I think, uh, with 130 angiograms. So slowly, slowly, I think we evolved, and, and now uh, this time we are doing lots of cases and interventions, um, and feel pretty comfortable, more comfortable than what I was two years ago, much more. Absolutely, and I think that just reflects a bit the, the nature of the peer review process. It's, it's great in the sense that it, uh, it really strengthens our papers, but it also slows things down a bit um, and doesn't always reflect the latest and greatest. One of the things you mentioned there was the fact that um, you're committed to this triaxial system. I think one of the things that we have found is these six French uh, guide catheters are so good in, the, in, in terms of their flexibility, their navigability, their trackability, that we can get them up quite high, and that allows for um, a biaxial approach. So if you can park your benchmark, for instance, um, at the V3, V4 segment even, um, then you only need a biaxial. And in one case, I think you describe um, a dual-axis approach where you had one catheter that you're using for your pipeline, another one that you went through uh, transfemorally for a coiling catheter. You know, with a, with a biaxial approach, you can actually get both through your six French um, and have a single access point. Um, it sounds like you guys are very committed to the triaxial approach. Have you had much experience going biaxial for placement of pipelines? Yeah, so in these uh, four cases, it's a bi, you know, it's not triaxial. I think you could do that. Um, we didn't do it with the uh, coiling and uh, with the pipeline and concurrent use of coils in this specific case again because we were in the beginning of our you know experience and we wanted to to go simple through the radial artery. Uh, today, this day, I'll definitely if I need a pipeline and concurrent use of coils, I'll definitely do what uh, you just suggested with the six French and the distal probably benchmark 
and then use uh, both catheters in order to, to get the, um, um, a single approach, absolutely. You could do that, but I think triaxial system gives you uh, more control rather than, you can't bring the, uh, it's very difficult to bring a benchmark into the superclinical carotid when you wanna uh, use a pipeline in the, um, let's say in the bifurcation or in the uh, A1A2. Um, for these cases, you must have a triaxial system. Well, very good. I think those are the questions that I had. Yeah, thank you. The great perspective um, from both of our guest faculty, actually. Thank you so much. Um, so, Dr. Dasani, uh, do you have uh, some questions that pertain to the paper? Yeah, thank you for having me on the call. Uh, one of the things that we do uh, in Buffalo is that we size the guide catheter for the radial approaches to the size of the sheath. So, for example, if we're using a six French radial artery slender sheath, then we use a six French guide catheter, like a benchmark, through that sheet. However, the advantage of the slender glide sheet is that it can accommodate a one size larger guide catheter than what the uh, radial artery uh, sheath is measured for. So, for example, a five French slender glide sheath can accommodate a six French guide catheter. And uh, we have not been doing that. We have been sizing the sheath to the size of the guide catheter. And I just wanted to ask if you had any experience in using a smaller sheath, like a five French sheath, to actually place a six French guide catheter, because that could be advantageous in patients with really small radial arteries. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, when I use a benchmark, which is a six French catheter, I'll use a five French radial glide sheet, which is basically the idea of the uh, five French is a 0082 which can accommodate a six-French benchmark. So, yes, we always use the uh, five-French for a six-French, and uh, you can also use the uh, six-French radial uh, glide sheet also, which is a 0096. You can accommodate a seven-French catheter if you want to go with a bigger system. But, yeah, we, we take the uh, one size smaller than the uh, actual catheter. Yes. Thank you for that. And when you use the one size smaller, is there any resistance uh, in passing the guide catheter through it, or do you feel it, it navigates pretty well through the sheath up into the brain? Well. We never had any issues with this stuff. No. It's very smooth. My other question is with respect to treating anterior circulation aneurysms, uh, is there, are there any features in the configuration of the aortic arch that would be more advantageous? for a radial approach as opposed to a femoral approach? Yeah, so if you're going from a right, right radial, I think for a bovine arch in the left, if you have a left-sided aneurysm, left side, if you want to treat the left side and it's a bovine arch, I think it's perfect to come from the right radial. Um, obviously for um, vertebral artery, everything which is against the nominate will give you enough support to bring up your guide catheter. Um, so right-sided, right-sided uh, internal carotid artery circulation and the uh, left bovine and the right vertebral effect come from the right retina. Yeah, this is the dispositions that I will, I'll, I'll go ahead and uh, have no issue to, uh, to go uh, up there with the, um, even with a triaxial system to deploy a pipeline. The only caveat that I think is that in young female patients, 
Uh, it doesn't really matter which kind of uh, anatomical disposition there is. I'll, I'll usually, usually avoid going radial. I think that's the only caveat for me in treatment. I'm not talking about angiogram because angiogram, I think it's okay also. The systems are very small. I think your point's well noted. I think the, the beauty of the radial technique for interior circulation aneurysms is that in the case of a common origin bovine urge, it's hard to go there femorally. And the radial gives you a natural straight shot from the innominate to get into the uh, left common carotid artery without even having to go into the arch. So that's a great advantage. That's a situation that's very problematic for femoral approach, but it's very natural for a radial approach. And you've mentioned that really well. And in young women who have normal arches, that advantage is not there because you have to reconstitute from the arch, uh, and that adds tortuosity. Exactly. Uh, which, may, yeah. which, which you may not encounter from a femoral approach. Exactly. Thank you so much. Wonderful. Um, this this was a great discussion, uh, providing a lot of insight into progression of the transradial axis. Uh, just wanted to give everybody an uh, opportunity if there was any final questions from um, any of the guest faculty or anybody else. I would also make a comment. Uh, this is uh, Adnan uh, Siddiqui from Buffalo again. That. I think the more we use this approach, um, and our literature is now starting to get peppered with a variety of different neurovascular procedures being utilized through the transradial approach, um, the more we realize as to how versatile it is and how, uh, how much more convenient it is for, for our patients. I specifically mean our uh, issues that we have with the patients who are on anticoagulation uh, or other problems of the type uh, where uh, transfemoral presents a unique risk. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, very true. Um, well, thank you uh, again. Uh, so this is, uh, just want to take an opportunity to thank all the participants. Um, Dr. Nasek, Dr. Siddiqui, Dr. Nasek, again, this is Dr. Vega. Thank you for the wonderful Journal Club and this great discussion. And for all of our listeners, I would like to encourage you to click through and obtain CME credit and check out more of the upcoming podcasts. Um, thank you again for everybody's time. And this concludes the Congress of Neurological Surgeons podcast for October. Thanks, everyone.